0: Stephen Holder, you cover the Indianapolis Colts for ESPN, and the Colts are in the middle of training camp, dealing with a fairly significant dispute with their star running back, Jonathan Taylor, which has seemingly gone from zero to very strange to very ugly and very quickly. What's been the mood around this team and this camp over the past week as this has all gone on?
1: You know, it's a a camp that was supposed to be about New beginnings. They've got a new head coach, Shane Steichen. They've got a new quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's big, he's fast, he's exciting. And so those were supposed to be, you know, kind of the hallmarks of this training camp. But at least externally, this camp has now become about the Colts' top playmaker, frankly, being at odds with the team, Jonathan Taylor.
0: get to Friday
2: and Jonathan Taylor apparently asking for a trade. The running back money saga continued with the Colts last week with Jonathan Taylor, who was looking for a long-term extension, requested a trade after a deal hadn't materialized.
0: Um, Now, as far as Jonathan Taylor goes, I don't believe he has leverage in this situation. Um, I don't think the Colts are likely to give him a deal he wants if he holds out. I don't think it's in his interest.
1: And so he really made his mark in, in 2021 he led the NFL in rushing right back to offense go the Colts wow Taylor's gone Jonathan Taylor goodbye touchdown Indy just a, a huge season over 1800 yards rushing first and goal Taylor good block by Moelle Cox the stiff arm and Peter touchdown a fourth today for Taylor I mean, it's one of the best singular efforts in franchise history, like the entire history of this franchise. Six defensive backs for Baltimore. Third and 15. He's trying to get it out to Taylor on the screen. Get some of the yardage back and get the first down and rip it down the sideline. Now to the middle of the field. Jonathan Taylor, 76-yard touchdown for the Indianapolis Colts. And so his career was on this trajectory that was just unbelievable. And then things really started to go off the rails a little bit last year when he got hurt. The team was terrible. They hired Jeff Saturday as a coach, mm-hmm. an interim coach. And, and Taylor finished with 861 yards and, and was spent most of the season, frankly, dealing with an ankle injury. So he was trying or hoping to get a contract extension. But here we are. Uh, now, that the lack of that has kind of changed the tone of this training camp that, as I said, was supposed to be one that was about turning a page.
0: So like any highly drafted first-round, second-round running back, he's looking to get an extension going into his fourth season. So why is this situation so massive for the Colts and for Taylor?
1: Right. Well, there's a couple of subplots here. So first there is this reality in the NFL right now where running backs have been really devalued. And it's just kind of this shift in the game where, you know, everyone tells you it's a passing league and it's a cliche, but it's not a cliche if you're a running back because it's really, mm-hmm. it's, it's your life and it's your reality. And so what it has meant is that salaries have been tamped down. Uh, For running backs, their contributions as they see it are not being reflected in the money they're paid. They're seen as replaceable. They aren't being drafted very highly oftentimes in the NFL draft. So now salaries are starting to reflect that. We saw it with Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants. and We've seen it with Josh Jacobs in the Las Vegas Raiders. He says, you franchised me. I don't want that franchise tag. I'm worth more. I'm not coming to training camp. And he's still not there. So this is the landscape now that Jonathan Taylor comes into and says, you know, I've been a really good player. I want some money. (laughs) And that just is not a winning argument anymore for a lot of teams. And it's become a really difficult situation for Jonathan Taylor and he has not taken it very well. He is really, really angry. I think everyone feels like they have a defensible stance here, but that makes it all the more difficult uh, to reach a resolution, because who who gives in? Who's going to give in when neither party feels like they're wrong? And so that's where we are.
0: Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts have arrived at a stalemate. Taylor wants a contract extension. The Colts don't want to give him one. And what happens next will speak volumes about the ongoing debate surrounding the role of running backs in the modern NFL. So today, Colts reporter Stephen Holder explains how Jonathan Taylor went from the face of the franchise to someone who wants out of Indy as soon as possible. And he tells us how this dispute might play out from here. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Tuesday, August 1st. This is ESPN Daily. Stephen Holder, take us back to Saturday night then. Let's talk this through how we got to this point. This is when it reached a tipping point. Taylor had a meeting with Colts owner Jim Irsay. What do we know about that conversation?
1: So let's first set the scene. Jim Irsay has this, like, unbelievably fancy uh, luxury motor coach, I think, is what you
0: call it. <laughs> it's basically like an RV,
1: right? Yeah, it's an RV. It's like you know, um, it's like one of those you know vacation, vacation movies, but like on steroids, right? So, <laughs> right. Anyhow, he it's got the Colts logo festooned on the side, and and so it's a, it's a party bus, basically. And so he pulls this thing up. His driver does into essentially the shadow of the goalpost right off the field. You can't miss it, (laughs) okay? So Mm -hmm. everyone knows he's here. Jonathan Taylor just so happens to be standing right underneath that goalpost watching the offense practice. Remember, Jonathan Taylor is not practicing. He's on the PUP list, physically unable to perform. So he's got this little ankle thing going on. So he's standing underneath that goalpost. And here comes Jim Mercey, and all of his friends, and there are a bunch of them. So they offload, they walk out of the the party bus, if we, well, as we'll call it, <laughs> and it's and everyone gets off except Jim Mercy, and then we figure out why. He goes and he summons through a staffer for Jonathan Taylor to hop on. He wants to have a talk.
0: Not exactly the party he was hoping to find, by the way.
1: Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And so, yeah, the party bus very quickly becomes a very serious uh, venue. As best we can tell, uh, the conversation was, from what I was told by sources, a lot of it was Jim Irsay trying to appeal to Jonathan Taylor's better, Mm -hmm. good nature, I guess, we'll say. Look, you know, we drafted you, we really love you, we traded up for you. You know, you're one of us. Uh, you've had such a great career here.
0: We want to see it continue. What do you say? And the what do you say is basically a contract extension offer? Was it was it something <laughs> where he was going to say, Hey, this is why you should stay with the team?
1: No, actually quite the contrary. It was, yes, we want you we want you to come in and, and get on board because We don't even know the status of this ankle injury. We don't know how severe it even is. There's some thought that it's not very serious, right? So they're trying to get Jonathan Taylor, like, on board. Like, all right, so you're feeling good, right? You ready to go? Like, let's go. Let's go do it. Hmm. And so the problem is none of that appeal to Jonathan Taylor's good nature, as I mentioned. None of it really involved, and hey, and to sweeten the deal for you, I got some numbers to run by you. What do you think? That that was not a part of the conversation. In fact, Jim Merce made it very clear that, look, this is something we have to do, and I'm making a difficult decision on behalf of the organization to wait before we move forward with you. And so he wants him to play this year and say, just be patient, and we'll get you your money next year. So that clearly did not go very far. (laughs) And within... uh, about 45 minutes of the meeting ending, it came to light that a trade request had been made. Now, point of clarity here, mm-hmm. a trade request had come up many days earlier. It just had not come to light. Hmm. I think it was Jim Mersey, perhaps trying to head that off and maybe put the genie back in the bottle on, in terms of this trade request. That did not work. So anyhow, mm-hmm. uh That's where we are now. We have Jonathan Taylor really angry, demanding a trade, and Jim saying, yeah,
0: no. Okay. So then on Sunday, things moved forward a bit. You mentioned an ankle injury. There was also a back injury reportedly involved. What happened there?
1: Yeah. So my source tells me, hey, there's more to this than you think. There's also this back issue that cropped up during his, his physical, Jonathan Taylor's physical, when he reported to camp a week ago. Mm-hmm. The Colts say they knew nothing about this. They also say, well, we have no record of this. We have no history of, of you telling us about this while playing football for the organization. So, like, we can't take responsibility for this. This isn't our problem. This happened when you were working out, getting ready for the season mm-hmm. or some previous instance. So, of course, there's the the, Jonathan Taylor's camp does not agree with that assessment. (laughs) So now you have another source, I guess, of irritation between them. Okay. So it's not just money. It's not just this back. There's also the issue of Jonathan Taylor choosing not to rehabilitate the ankle with the Colts over the past couple Mm. of months. He decided to do that elsewhere. So they can't get on the same page with anything, it appears.
0: And what are the options then if they do determine that he had a back injury that did not happen during team activities?
1: Right. So depending on lots of little idiosyncrasies and details within the collective bargaining agreement, like if you check this box, that box, potentially, Okay, I'll say potentially because I don't know whether the Mm -hmm. boxes have been checked. But depending on the timeline and when the team learned of things, et cetera, et cetera, there might be the option of placing him on what's called a non-football injury list, which really ratchets things up. Because that list means, hey, your little issue you're dealing with is not our problem. We had nothing to do with that. And so it enables a team, if they choose at their discretion, to not pay a player for the regular season. So that would, I think, be maybe not the nuclear option, but certainly it's definitely it's definitely a choice. Okay, so we'll see what happens there. We don't know where it's going to go. They're working through that. And if and when that happened, you can be assured that the NFL
0: Players Association would then get involved and there might be some pushback there. So he's heading into his fourth season trying to get this contract extension. Like we mentioned, he was a second-round draft pick. There's been so much conversation about the running backs, about their value, about their contracts. We know about Zoom calls and the running backs sort of getting together, but immediately after that, Saquon Barkley signed his franchise tag, and the conversation just sort of continues with Taylor now. How involved has Taylor been in this discourse?
1: He's been involved. In fact... The way we learned, I guess, that Jonathan Taylor had opinions on things (laughs) uh, and Mm -hmm. and that maybe things weren't rosy with the state of his contract negotiations. Uh, The way we know is because in June, he reacted to some of the developments that were happening elsewhere in the the Mm -hmm. running back landscape and spoke out about it. And let me give you the background here. Now, Jonathan Taylor is the nicest guy in the world. He's he's great. He's mm. he's very intelligent. He got admitted to Harvard. He wanted to be like an astronaut at one point and probably could have pulled it off if he wasn't a football player. So but yet in spite of all that, he always would frustrate the local media because he would never say like mm. anything of consequence. He'd just like, you know, just got to go out there and play harder. Right. And so That's the same guy who now in June comes out and says, yeah, you know, what's happening out there really sucks. And it's not right. And running backs are getting screwed. And he said, I quote, you see why guys start to demand trades, end quote. (laughs) And so that is why I have been very, very careful to point out that the, the vitriol that has now taken over this situation it didn't
0: really start a week ago. This has been going on for a while. Right. We just didn't realize it at the time. Well, it tracks given if he is normally quiet and we see what's happening to all of these running backs that now he would speak up, given that it's his time to cash in. But what has been his experience with the Colts? What has he said in the past about his time in Indianapolis?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been really a, a huge part of their success. And... And has been a great teammate. Uh, he has been uh, someone who's great in the locker room. Uh, he's the kind of player you want on your team. Up, up mm-hmm. until now, there's really never been any question about Jonathan Taylor as a team player, as someone who's on board with the organization. So it, it's been quite, I guess, quite an experience to see him really dig in like this and, and be at odds with a team that he's had a very good relationship with. to see him in in 2021 really put this team on his back when Carson Wentz was starting to crumble at the end of that season. And I don't mean just the final two games where the Colts infamously just imploded, but even with six and seven games to go when the tide started to turn with Carson Wentz, which is a podcast unto itself. But anyhow, it was Jonathan Taylor who bailed them out. (laughs) It was Jonathan Taylor who said, okay, fine. I'll carry the ball 35 times, which is not something NFL teams do anymore. And so he did all of that, and I think that's part of his mentality here is that I was there bailing you guys out when I was the only offensive weapon that you could rely
0: on, and now I have nothing to show for it. Up next, Jim Ursay's side of the story.
2: Picture this, you arrive at your hotel, you have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country, you have your laptop open ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Stephen
0: Holder, we know that Jonathan Taylor is very angry about not receiving a contract extension. He's been very public about that. What is the other side? The Colts owner, Jim Irsay, someone who is never afraid to share what he thinks. What does he think about this whole running backs issue? And what has he said publicly?
1: Yeah, well... It's definitely a philosophical, or at least in part, a philosophical decision. There has been a, at least a, a determination that, that they need to let some things play out. And I think part of it is they have a new coaching staff, a new offense, and a new, a new approach offensively. And if you think about it, Shane Steichen, their new head coach, comes from the Philadelphia Eagles. Miles Sanders goes out, runs for 1,200 yards. And what happens? They say, eh, our system's good enough. We can run the ball with anybody. And so now that's, right. you asked me, what did Jim Merce say? Now, he didn't say that. But I think those are some of the things that are informing their actions here. And so when you hear Jim Say and others say, we need to see these guys with the new coaches first, I think there's some of that going on there. And so hmm. we're reading between the lines, but that's all we can do. The other thing that I know is part of Jim Irsay's thinking is that he has truly bought into this new age NFL, which is all also true that the passing game is what matters. And you should direct your resources to the passing game at all costs. He's really bought into that, which is interesting because he's always been a very old school football guy who <laughs> would tell you about his time with his father owning the Baltimore Colts in those days, right? And so he mm-hmm. loves nostalgia. And now he has come around to like, yeah, it's 2023, football's changed. When it's time to play the running back.
0: Jim Irsay also said, I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who, who comes and who goes, uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. Stephen, how was that taken? Not great <laughs> <laughs> that that definitely
1: rocked the boat a little bit. I'm not saying that that players are gonna you know walk out and protest or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: you know, look, could he have phrased that better? and should he have phrased that better? Oh,
0: sure. well, he's furthering the idea that the running backs are so replaceable, and so he's yes. just going hyperbolic with it, which falls into Jim Mercy's wheelhouse. He kind of does these things publicly i'm not going to talk about his situation you know directly that's something that that jonathan and i you know have discussed and uh um i'm not saying you know right time wrong time anything like that All, all i'm saying is is that um you know we um go forward in the best way we can to have a great football team and treat everyone fairly Steven, I want to talk to you about the Colts' offense and how Taylor would fit in. I mean, it's not like the Colts have better options at the running back spot. Just Monday, Zach Moss went down with a broken arm, and he's expected to miss six weeks. If he does play for the Colts, what are we looking at with Taylor?
1: Yeah, I think for for the Colts, he has way more value to them as a running back. No matter how insignificant you may think running backs are today, And it's, you know, look, you can make a case for that. But no matter what you think about that, for the Colts, their situation is unique. They have this rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's never taken a single NFL snap. Is he talented? Absolutely. Is he ready? I have no idea. Do the Colts know? No, they don't know. So having a a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, especially when your quarterback is going to be a very— heavy RPO-style quarterback, which means the running game is going to be a big part of of his success as a quarterback. I just think it would really elevate or potentially elevate Anthony Richardson to have Jonathan Taylor, who I think among the elite running backs might be the biggest home run hitter of all. You could argue about who's the best running back, but Jonathan Taylor is a big play artist. That's what he does. So defenses still have to pay a lot of attention to him. And they definitely know when he touches the ball, there's the potential for him to go all the way. Here's Taylor. Taylor!
0: And you know who else could use an all-pro caliber running back is a rookie head coach. And so <laughs> it's probably not the greatest situation here for Shane Steichen. What has he had to say about this? He's trying to say as little as possible, frankly. And <laughs> to,
1: his, to his credit, he has tried to strike a balance. On Monday, I asked him about the situation. Like, how are you keeping your head? How are you keeping your focus in the midst of all of this? And he just leaned into what he always does, as in what most coaches do, which is to say, look, I can't afford to be distracted. I can't afford to think about anything else. I got to worry about having all these guys ready to play. I mean, look, it's a good approach, but this is a terrible situation for a rookie head coach to to deal with. And he's got what might be the biggest crisis in the NFL in his lap right now.
0: Well, when Jim Irsay was asked about the possibility of a Jonathan Taylor trade, he said, not today, not in October. But if they do get involved in discussions, what are the Colts looking to get for Taylor?
1: Well, they would love an early round pick. And I think a first round pick is certainly out of the question. But I mean, what does early round mean? I mean, are we talking second, third? But look, that's still a lot of value in the NFL and going to be hard to come by for them. And I'll tell you why, because the, the context around trading for Jonathan Taylor is complicated. So... If you were a, a competing team or an, or an outside team, if you were interested in trading for him, here's what you're looking at. Okay, sure, let's take him. We'll give you an X number draft pick, right? Well, here's the problem. You've now inherited the Colts problem. You have a running back who wants a contract extension. Now, there's another way of, go, of doing it, which is you can trade for him and then give him or negotiate in the process a contract extension while you're executing the trade. That happens all the time. So now you have him under contract, and that's great. The problem with that is the team isn't, want, isn't going to want to give him millions and millions of dollars while also giving the Colts a really high draft pick. So the compensation for the Colts would not figure to be very good in that scenario. So it's a very dicey proposition to say you're going to get a good deal in a trade for Jonathan Taylor right now. Now, if things continue to get uglier, maybe they just cut their losses and take what they can get. But we're not there yet, I don't think at least.
0: Yeah, it seems to be the worst possible time for a franchise running back to be involved in contract negotiations and a great time for an owner like Jim Irsay to have leverage. So given that we know, at least we believe we know the specifics that happened here, do we believe, Stephen, that this situation is fixable or are the are the Colts and Taylor inevitably headed for a divorce?
1: It's going to require someone to just give in, because there's no real compromise here. I don't think the only way there's a compromise is if the Colts maybe found some middle ground and gave him a, a maybe a middling contract extension, but Taylor would have would have to swallow some pride to to, to even accept that, right? And and frankly the Colts have no incentive to do that because why? (laughs) They have all the cards here. So I... It's hard to imagine how this gets resolved in a way that makes anyone truly happy. I still think, for now, I may be proven wrong, but I still think the most likely outcome is Jonathan Taylor plays for the Colts this year because if he doesn't, number one... There's $4 million sitting on the table that he won't make. Number two, what does that do to your future prospects if the last time you were seen, uh, you were hurt and running for 800 yards? So sitting out doesn't seem to be an option. Uh, He's under contract anyway. So the Colts really don't have to do anything, frankly, other than just say, hey, contract.
0: Well, the saga of the NFL running back in 2023 continues. Thank you very much, Stephen. Hey, glad to do it. Anytime. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily.
2: I'll talk to you tomorrow.